Hello there. You're listening to Sasitup podcast by Sashwath and Oscar where we speak with startup founders, venture capitalists and some of the leading talents in the world. We listen to their personal journeys and share their stories that shape their world view. Hello everyone. We have Jacob Knudsen, he's the CEO of butter.us and today we'll be talking about the future of collaboration in a post-covid digital world. Welcome to the show Jacob. Thank you so much Sashwath. It's great to be here. First off, you are a non-tech fellow as well from ODS and I happen to have the same experience through ODP uh, through the Ondeck network. And Ondeck was primarily a remote network for us especially this year. How was your experience with Ondeck? Ah, oh, that's a great question Sashwath. So, I don't think it's a secret that I'm a, I'm a pretty big Ondeck fan. <laughs> I initially kind of joined on that because I'm personally based in Denmark, in Copenhagen, Denmark, and I was very much missing like other founders that were, you can say, were at roughly the same stage as ourselves and had a very global outlook. So, I mean, we're building Butter, which is like Zoom but workshops. Our user base has been global from day one. I mean, I was saying our biggest countries U.S., second biggest Brazil, third biggest is Germany, right? So, I was really looking for other founders that had the same kind of global outlook and global global user bases ourselves. So Ondeg and Ondeg Scale, which is the fellowship that I was part of, or I, I am currently part of, kind of gave that opportunity to connect with founders from across the world that had experiences in scaling businesses with a kind of global both user bases and global teams. So far it's been it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a great time as well. Like I learned a lot of lot of slacking through that as well. I mean, I was a, a mediocre slack user, but then I realized, oh my god, Ondeg is a different level altogether. Yeah, yeah, the slack super users. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you um, uh, come up with this name like Butter and of course it's not your first startup, right? You have quite a lot of experience in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So how did you come up with the name and this concept of building a remote collaboration tool as well? Yeah, that's a good question, Sashwat. So let's take it from the beginning because that kind of led to the name. So my background is in strategy consulting. I used to be in Bain & Company for close to four years, then got the opportunity to go to, go to Indonesia, of all places, to start up a digital marketing agency. So went there in 2014. We started up and built a sort of team there and sold it off to a Japanese player in end of 2016, I think. I stuck around in Asia for another year and a half, but got back to Denmark in 2018. Like my, my wife is Danish, so we both wanted to kind of get back close to the family. And we started up a startup within the game streaming world. So I'm a big gamer myself. I was pretty excited about everything that was happening in that space at that time. So I thought, okay, let me build something in an area that I'm passionate about, which theoretically is great. But in in reality, we ended up building a product that was kind of Product was solid enough, but we didn't have solid traction. It's very hard space, especially when it comes to monetization. The positive side was we got a great team together. We got a team together of uh, people from around the world. We're nine people across both US and Asia at that time and, and Europe. But the bad thing was we simply didn't really hit the hammer on the nail. So January of last year, we chose to shut down Streamcraxus, our previous start was called, and the core team, the founders, we stuck together. So that is uh, myself, Christopher, who has a product design background, and Adam has a tech background. Uh, so we kind of had this trinity of the hustler, the hipster, and the hacker, which I really <laughs> love when I found that concept. <laughs> and we thought, okay, let's build something together. And we were looking inside, especially the area of remote work, which was an area we were personally pretty passionate about. Like we've been building up previous startups remote. So we thought that there must be several problems that we can solve within remote work. But 
before we kind of found that perfect angle, COVID struck. And we were there, we were looking for remote problems. So what's the best way to find problems? That's to help people have those problems. So we started doing workshops for teams, startups that have been pushed remotely by COVID and kind of help them with best practices and our thoughts that we had in the past with the idea that, hey, let's find you know where they have their biggest pain points. But it turned out that we were actually the ones that were really having that pain point because like doing these workshops, doing remote workshops just proved to be extremely difficult. Like one thing was like the whole technical side of things, like planning the workshop was super difficult because you couldn't really pre-plan, say, breakout rooms. A lot of polling pre-planning was difficult. So you're sitting there in the middle, like trying to push buttons on Zoom, being stressed out, right? Second thing was when we wanted to create more interactivity, we would you know, be using things like Miro and Mentimeter and Kahoot, but we'd be sending out links and you know, half the people wouldn't know how to click it and they'd drop off and it would be absolute chaos. So we had that like technical difficulties. The other thing was like energy. So Zoom is a great product, but it's also very sterile. I mean, it's just people in squares, right? So creating energy for workshops is firstly, it's super important because if there's not energy in a workshop, then it isn't really propelled forward and people get bored or disengaged. So it's so important to do that. And secondly, it's just really hard to do in Zoom and really hard to do online. So those were kind of the two problems that we ourselves saw when we were running online workshops. And that was when we came up with the idea for what is what is now Butter, to create a verticalized Zoom or a, a Zoom, but laser focused on online workshops. So now you ask me, Sashwat, like, okay, what's the deal with the name, right? And actually, at the beginning, we just said that someone joked that we were making meetings smooth as butter. And that was kind of, oh, yeah, we're meat butter. So that was, we started out being called meat butter. And then when we got more US-based users, they said, they apparently all thought that we were like meat, like the, a chunk of meat butter. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of lost the meat also after we got like complaints from vegans saying that they would use our platform so, uh, <laughs> for the vegans yeah yeah i just used the uh, platform just a couple of uh, weeks earlier and i was just uh, joking with oscar as well that somehow the platform is very ux and ui centric it feels when someone uses that also i think uh, maybe you know taking a dig on your name from the jacobs ux law right law 101 like uh, user experiences at the Pivotal. And I think it's a great platform. Do you have a lot of UX designers who have researched on the user journeys to develop this particular product? That's very spot on, uh, Sashwet. So Chris, who is my co-founder, he has a, a product design and UI design background. That basically was the basis for a lot of the things that we did. That was to be extremely design-led from day one. So one thing is the UX, right? So making sure that we fully understand, like, okay, what happens throughout the workshop? We both mapped out, you know, a physical workshop. You know, what happens from the time that a person starts planning? So, you know, the actual day the workshop takes place, people go in, they have coffee together, they chat. Like, really try to understand that full journey. And then on top of that, we also try to understand the full journey of the digital workshop. So from a UX perspective, we really try to kind of break everything down and understand it. Also because we thought that that's one of the main things where we can be competitive vis-a-vis Zoom by simply understanding the use case to an extreme extent and building to that. So that's the UX side. Then we come to the UI and brand design part of it. And we just thought that 
from a very early day, we looked at that energy part that we talked about before and having an extremely expressive brand and a very opinionated brand in a way that's, you know, it's very yellow, it's very in your face, right? And it's something that's super fun to work with, right? And that's something that we've really just leaned very much into and it's proven to be, well, it's, it's proven rather successful at that part. So we are very much a design that company. I really love that because I'm a designer myself and I know how difficult it can be to have this very unique style, right? So people look at your website or your platform and see, okay, that's butter. That's not Zoom or anything else. And I have to be honest here, it kind of reminds me of Windows 95, you know, but not <laughs> yeah. in a bad way. It's It looks really appealing. It's really unique with those drop shadows, with those very distinct rectangles. So I like the uniqueness of it. Tell us more about your approach of getting this unique style. Firstly, thanks, Oscar. And actually, you're right with the Windows 95 thing, it's not a bad analogy it's because we have gone very much towards a kind of the retro feel. Right. <laughs> so, so there's no insults there. Secondly, just a disclaimer, I mean, I'm not the one who's designed it. Everything there is on Chris and many of the thoughts there is in Chris's head and now being delivered to the design team. But what we did see was we knew that this energy part and creating energy in the workshops would be one of the pivotal things that we had to fix. And there are many ways of doing this, but one way, which was one we leaned into, was just being way more playful and kind of delightful. One of our core beliefs is that we'll be seeing way more business products in the future that will be inherently way more playful and delightful, way more towards stuff that we'd be using in our personal lives. Because there's no reason that stuff has to be super sterile. I have to be blue and white always. And it's actually nice that things are also playful and that the work life is quite playful. So that is very much kind of one of the design philosophies that we're leaning into. Another thing is honestly being a design-led company. And we pride ourselves in being that. And we've hired way more product designers or even experienced brand designers than you'd normally see of a startup at our stage because it's such a core part of our DNA. When we talk about design, it's all about the target group, right? I mean, you want to create this energy, but do you think this playful style is actually kind of harmful for your brand? Because like big companies say, okay, we don't want this playful style. We want to go straightforward, go to meetings, Zoom or anything that's very serious. Is this something you're struggling with? Such a good question, Oscar. And actually, we had a bit of a identity crisis back in, I think it was August of last year, where we had a few people say, yeah, I mean, I can imagine corporates wouldn't really like this, or I could see that uh, lawyers might not like that, right? The funny thing was that it was always people identifying this nebulous group of boring users that didn't like stuff, right? It's like, it was never, oh, I wouldn't, I don't like this. It's like, oh, I don't think that they would like it, right? So I think that there's something about, like, I think it's, you're really asking an interesting question there because user groups is an interesting thing and you think you know a group or others think that they know a group. But what we found is actually that even corporate users, you know, HR teams and big companies have kind of picked up butter already and are enjoying it and are liking it. And it's not like they're saying, oh, oof, this is just, we, we couldn't use this because uh, it's not serious enough for us. The only time we've kind of seen it play in are, you know, some types of consultants that would be consulting for big companies where they think, oh, this company wouldn't be taking us seriously if we did it. But again, it's back to that, you know, nebulous group of others that do not like good, fun design. Yeah, I like that because just as you said, I think that's one big issue when you're designing something, you're thinking about this nebulous group, just as you call it, right? And you think people don't like it. But in the end, you really have to just test it and maybe try it out and then get user feedback and see how people will react to it, right? Exactly, exactly. I would say, however, that 
we will at one time be allowing people to have slightly more control over the visual layout, the customization, the colors, etc. It is input that we've heard, but it's not so much that, oh, we do not like the brand. It's more towards, hey, we'd love to make this even more our own. But that's a bit of a different initiative. And I assume you have a lot of stuff in your backlog, like design stuff, functionality stuff. So how can you make sure that you improve the platform on a consistent basis? What is your approach to that? Yeah, we're kind of thinking two approaches. One thing is the strategic, big picture, visionary, like this is what we want to be approach. The other is more the emerging, you know, okay, we see these and these inputs from our users approach. So the strategic part is to me extremely dear. And that is, we do not want to be just Zoom for workshops. We want to be what we call a full workshop suite. So essentially allowing the workshop facilitators to design the workshop. They can bring on people into the pre part of the workshop where they, people can review materials. They can chat with each other before the workshop, fill out surveys. Then you facilitate the workshop, but both with the synchronous parts, which are the video parts, but also the asynchronous parts, which I guess popularly would be defined as homework. <laughs> and then you'd also be having the whole debrief part, so the stuff that's after the workshop. So having this kind of full full workshop flow. So there's a big focus for us that we need to head in that direction. And by the way, at workshops is an extremely large chunk of different use cases. It's everything from the strategy workshops, again, I, I come from that area, but also HR trainings, it's design sprints, it is retros, it's coaching sessions. It's such a broad area. And, and what we're seeing is everyone participates in a, something that could be defined in a workshop at least once every two weeks. So it's really a huge market we're addressing here. So that's kind of the strategic way, visionary way that we are looking at product development. The other part is, of course, the more feedback and user input directed way. And, and we're doing that both from the more exploratory, like, okay, these are the problems that we are having in doing our workshops. So trying to solve those problems. And then we are also doing it in a more like, okay, this is the, like we've now used your platform. These are the issues that we have with it. So very direct feedback. But we're, we're actually quite cautious about this, not because it's not our core group that are using it, but because if you end up focusing on tweaking, then you will not build a 10x or a 100x platform. I hope that kind of makes sense. <laughs> it did. I think you come from a very strong uh, strategy consulting background as well, and you're building a remote collaboration platform. So just want to dig up on your uh, worldview as to where do you think the future of remote collaboration is going towards? Oh, yeah, such a pertinent question. So what we saw before, again, remote collaboration and remote workshops, I think maybe before the pandemic, maximum 5% of all workshops were done remotely. It's not a big thing. Now everyone's been forced to do it. We've seen maybe up to, to 95. But when we think things will stabilize from a workshop perspective is somewhere around 50 to 60% of all workshops will become remote workshops in the future. I mean, we've done over a thousand interviews with people that facilitate all types of workshops and that kind of try to understand their worldview and why they want to continue this setup. And it's pretty clear that there's just so many benefits to it. I think two benefits to remote collaboration and remote workshops are clear. First is documentation. It is so much easier to document a workshop that has taken place in a digital space than it is to do it on one that is done in a physical space. Again, I remember back in my strategy consulting days where we had, you know, big round papers that you'd go, you'd put on the wall, right? You'd have A0s, people would put sticky notes. And then all us young consultants, we'd be taken back into, you know, into the, it's almost a pen overnight and had to just, you know, put it down into a PowerPoint presentation. Documentation is just so much easier when you're doing it online. 
second big thing that we're seeing is logistics. Like if you're doing courses or workshops in the real world, very often like you'd be driven off to not say a remote location, but you know, like an offsite or whatever, and be spending two days and it'll be like there's so much wasteful time. Of course, there's also really great things about that, but that's just not like then you rather do the social stuff than do the workshop or the work stuff, right? So the logistics is is a really, really big benefit for the remote workshops. So I think that that will be seeing way more than people do expect in the future. The last thing I'd say is we'll also be seeing a lot of hybrid workshops where some people sit together with others remotely. And that's, of course, something that one has to decide for. That reminds me of my consulting days as well, where we were doing the same green paper mapping or brown paper mapping. So I'm curious, do you think there will be a shift in the management consulting industry as well because of these remote and hybrid workshops coming in, which means that the flying in and flying out of a lot of consultants will be hindered and they might be using a lot of these kind of tools as well? I mean, I really hope so. <laughs> good for your business, isn't it? Yeah, but, but good for the business. But I also mean, seriously, like that was one of the least favorite parts of being a consultant was just the detachment from like your home and like your way so much from friends, family, and it wasn't necessarily value creating time. So yes, I think from consulting, we will be seeing way less travel because people already now realize that so much work can be done remotely. The costs are going to be like big thing in that right but overall i think it's also a lifestyle question it's not nice to be traveling 100 to 200 days a year right and i think that also goes back to say executive teams i've, I've spoken to quite a few top executive teams over the past year as well and that maybe used to do like quarterly workshops together and what they'll be doing is like maybe one yearly summit and then the, those quarterly workshops from these global executive teams will be done remotely. Excellent. So I think uh, there was a, a good news for Butter as well with the latest investments, right? Could you share the good news? I mean, which is already public, but yeah, how did you go about it? And how was the experience in total? <laughs> oh, yeah. So so uh, for, for clarity, we, we just announced a, a total investment of, of 3.2 million of those 2.75 million in our latest seed round, which was led by the European Seed and Series A Fund, uh, Project A, which is an amazing fund. And I feel so fortunate that they've kind of chosen to believe in us. Extremely founder-friendly and extremely supportive, to be honest. But on top of that, we've also gotten some pretty pretty great individuals in, into the mix. For instance, Des Trainer, co-founder of Intercom, who's been already now amazingly helpful and supportive on basically how we build a product like this. He's been doing a lot of workshops as well himself. He also has a consultant background before Intercom. So it's quite nice to kind of uh, have someone that understood the use case so much and understood the pains that we were actually solving. On top of that, we also have someone like Johanna Schild, who is the CEO of Levy, which is the big telehealth startup from out of Sweden. Again, there's just a lot of expertise there in video tech and then building tele solutions for uh, that. That's super interesting. And uh, so many other great people on that. And we're already now like getting loads of input from our investors on, on how to do things. I'm really excited about that. Congratulations for that. And just curious, like startup entrepreneurs uh, have inspiration from various people, from various novels, books, uh, from their personal experience as well. If I were to pick one of your experience that is really helping you out in your entrepreneurial journey from real life experience, maybe consulting experience, what would that be? Something that was very significant in your life that really changed your worldview. I think that a lot of things that kind of change one's perspective. But one major thing that really changed my perspective was having lived abroad and studied abroad quite a few times in my life, lived both in the US, in Austria, in China, 
which eventually led me to, I think, the most kind of defining move in my life, namely from Denmark to Indonesia back in 2014, where I moved to Indonesia to build a digital marketing agency out there. So firstly, just doing that was like absolutely daunting. And it, it's like, for God's sakes, I've never been to Indonesia before, let alone to Jakarta, right? Uh, it's a crazy city for anyone that's been there, but also an amazing place. So starting out, building it there, recruiting people, building an organization, building a culture there that was uh, extremely multicultural. We had people from several countries, but also um, local Indonesians, but kind of seeing that a national culture, sure, that's a thing, but a company culture, and if you took, for instance, like some of the European, I'd say, especially Scandinavian, extremely egalitarian business culture, and you try to instill that in a new setting, like, for instance, Indonesia, that's normally more hierarchical, you can do amazing things and you can unlock the potential of a lot of people. And I also saw so many talented people there in Indonesia that it really kind of started my thinking on this whole, like, why is remote work awesome? And what can we do if we recruit people from all across the world, instead of just thinking in our very narrow national silos? And that's something that I've really taken with me also here in Butter, where we are building for remote work. And I think we are unlocking, we can say, we're probably solving one of the most complex problems of remote work, namely complex collaboration and workshops, right? And if we do solve that problem, we will enable a lot of people from across the world. And that's also what we're seeing with the team. I mean, we are 13 people at the moment from eight different countries, right? And I think that there's something amazing about that. <laughs> true, true. I think in Indonesia, Bali was always a remote hub, right? So quite a lot of remote and nomad workers used to hang out in Bali. Jacob, are you reading something currently? Or would you recommend to our listeners a book that has inspired you or you would love them to read about it as well? Man, like I've read so many books uh, that are interesting. Like now you're saying reading, but I haven't given this too much thought. So just to highlight something I'm reading at the moment, that's the Netflix book, No Rules Rules, which is uh, <laughs> which is quite cool. Uh, I really like some of the some of the fundamentals there, especially like now. Just today I was going through the chapter on candid feedback. Again, this openness. We even have like a one of our values in Butter, which is open-hearted and open-minded. So that whole idea of speak your mind, but do it in a compassionate way, right? And that's very much kind of this feedback culture that's also being described in this Netflix, but with a little twist, especially because it's so important to kind of be open-hearted and also be mindful of other people when you are working remotely because you you do not have that person across from you. Excellent, Jacob. We hope that Butter also reaches the success level as Netflix has. And and, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I mean, uh, sharing your thoughts. We hope to keep in touch. And definitely I'll be using uh, Butter going forward for our all internal workshops and team collaborations as well. So good to meet you guys. Uh,